the Father's love, forgives us of our sins, and now the very presence of the Holy Spirit indwells us. The perfect love of the Father indwells us. And now we become love machines. And we don't work for nobody but God, the Father in heaven. Celebrating the fact that love came down from heaven. Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. God is perfect love. It's hard to get our mind around the fact that perfect love comes in three forms, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Today, David continues our look at the Trinity in the second part of a message called, The Father. God has talked about His Father over and over again. Matthew 6, 8, from the words of Jesus. Read this with me. Do not be like them, that's the Pharisees who pretend to be religious, but they're really not. Do not be like them for your, what? Father knows what you need before you ask him. Isn't that a great prayer verse? For some of you say, oh, I just didn't pray long enough. I didn't pray hard enough. And that's why God didn't give me the answer. God knew what you needed before any word was uttered from your lips. God knew your need in your heart before you ever spoke it. Because he's a father in heaven. Matthew 7, 11 Jesus said, if you then who are evil, keep that in mind, for we're evil. Every single one of us, because of sin, is selfish, seeking our own way. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, read the rest with me. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? What a wonderful understanding of God in heaven. Jesus said, hey, you daddies out there who are basically selfish, You want the world to revolve around you. But when your kids come to you and ask you for something for Christmas, your heart's moved. And you do anything and everything to give your children what they desire. Now, if you earthly fathers want to give good gifts to your children and you're basically selfish, how much more the Father in heaven who's perfect love wants to give good gifts to you who are his children? And in the garden of Gethsemane, right before Jesus faced the cross, he said these words. And he said, read it with me, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And now what's Jesus experiencing in the garden? He's realizing that as the perfect God-man who lived the life we could not live, who goes to the cross to take our sins upon himself, he knew at that moment that his life could no longer be inseparable with the Father. He knew that when he took sin upon himself, our sin, that he would be separated from the Father. And the thought of not having a union life with his loving daddy in heaven, that's what the term Abba means. It's an Aramaic colloquialism, which means daddy. When a kid in Jesus' day would see his father after a long day's work, he'd call him not father, but Abba, Daddy. He cried out, Daddy, isn't there another way? Isn't there another way than that moment when I have to be separated from you? And of course, the father said to him, no, son, this is my will for you and for all people everywhere to receive my grace and forgiveness. And Jesus submitted. But he called God Daddy. God the Father. Now, now for some of you, I need to take a moment and give a parenthesis in the message. For some of you, this is a hard teaching. For some of you, you had bad earthly dads who didn't care for you, didn't love you. Some were even abusive. Some of you saw your dad beat up your mom. Some of you saw your dad leave your mom. 
And you're saying, man, if my daddy on earth is a reflection of the daddy in heaven, I don't want anything to do with him. I get it. I understand it. You see, I had a great earthly dad who loved my mom 63 years, even when she had Alzheimer's in the last 10 years of her life. I had a dad who loved me. He, he was there for me. And, and so I had that kind of earthly dad who reflected an image of the heavenly daddy. That's God's will, dads. Can I take just a moment and speak to you? That's God's will, that you be the first line of offense for your children to see the love of the heavenly daddy through you. And that means that you not only just give them presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, you give them your greatest gift, your presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. For I've said it once and I'll say it over and over again. How do kids spell love? T-I-M-E. They spell love by you being with them. Be committed to your wives, guys. I dare you. Stay committed. Love your wives, even if it gets tough, especially if it gets tough. And give your kids an image of what it means for the father to be committed to us. And love your wives. And love your kids. That's what God desired for earthly dads to be. And that's why Jesus chose that image of God the Father. But you need to know God the Father in heaven, God the Daddy in heaven is perfect love. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 and 6. Read it with me. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So the Bible teaches that God's major characteristic is love. Now, now back to my secular atheist friends. They say, <laughs> we have trouble believing in you ha being uh, one God in three persons. That seems polytheistic to us. And I always say, well, he's a daddy, he's a father, but this father's also perfect love. And that's essential for understanding the Trinity. Here's my point, I say to them. Love demands an object, doesn't it? Love demands an object. I've been married to my wife for 36 years. She's the love of my life. But my love can't exist unless there's an object of my love. In the Islamic faith, there are 99 characteristics of God listed in the Quran. Not one of them is father, and not one of them is love. Why? Because love demands an object. And the Quran teaches that God, Allah, is all-sufficient. He doesn't need anyone else. So therefore, love can't be his primary characteristic. What is? Power. He's the all-powerful one. Allah Akbar, he's the great one. And love couldn't exist in his heart until he created humanity. Because love demands an object as opposed to the Christian faith, which believes that there's one God in three persons, and among those three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all equal in the Godhead, what existed before this world was ever created was their perfect love for one another. They just loved one another perfectly, selflessly, giving themselves to one another wholly. How many of you have ever asked the question, why was I ever created? 
Come on, raise your hand if you've ever asked that question. The rest of you, raise your hands, liar, liar, pants on fire. I mean, all of us, if you're honest and you're breathing, you've asked the question, why was I created? Let me tell you why you were created. It's found in the heart of the Trinity. You were created so that God could share his love with you. He loved so much in the Trinity, he wanted to create others who could enter into that perfect triune love. You were created to love and to be loved. He started with Adam and Eve. They loved one another. He walked with them in the garden. Then he wanted to create a whole world of millions, of billions of people invited into his love. And the more people he created was because he wanted to love even more. He wanted to create more and more and more and more because of his love in his heart. You were created to love and to be loved by the Father in heaven. Now, of course, in Genesis 3, we read about an evil one coming and tempting Adam and Eve and their perfect love toward one another and toward God being broken apart, sin coming into this world. In the Christmas hymn, Joy to the World, there's this phrase, for as the curse is found, everything's been cursed in creation. Creation itself, our hearts, our ability to love. Now, Selfless love has been turned into selfishness, and we want the world to revolve around us. We're no longer connected in that perfect love relationship with God. (laughs) When I think about that love that God had among the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I think of two illustrations. One's in Dublin, Ireland, where someone was born, two people, but they were connected, and the parents had to make the agonizing decision whether to try to disconnect them so that both could live apart or keep them connected. They finally decided through doctor's advice to try to disconnect them. One lived and one died. You know why the one died? Because the common heart they were sharing could not be shared. What connected the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was the common heart of love. You take that away and, and one can't live. I think two of an elderly couple that were in an automobile accident, they both were taken to the hospital. They were rolled in on gurneys. The wife was a little stronger than the husband, but when they were in the gurneys, they both took each other's hand. And even though the husband was on death's door, as long as he held his wife's hand, his wife of 75 years, his heart beat. The moment the doctors forced that hand to let go, he died. Interestingly, his wife, whom they thought would make it, an hour later, died. When you disconnect the heart of love, It doesn't work. And we were disconnected from the heart of love from God because of sin and rebellion, because of the curse. Now, here's God's dilemma, folks. God is perfect love. We just saw that. But God is also perfectly holy. The only adjective that's used in triplicate three times to describe God is Isaiah 6, where the angels of heaven are worshiping him and call him holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So here's God's deal. Because of his holiness, he's offended by our rebellion. And his justice demands that he punish our sin. The wrath of God should be poured out on us because of our rebellion against him, our selfishness, our denying of his love. But he's also perfect love. So what does God do? What does the Father do who's perfect love and perfect holy? Here's what he does. One day he turns to his son who existed with him in all eternity And in their perfect love relationship, he turned to his son and said, Would you go? Would you go into a cradle and put on human flesh? And would you live the perfect life they're incapable of living because of the curse? And then go to a cross and allow me to pour out all of my wrath, all my punishment upon you and not them. 
And then I can offer them forgiveness by grace through faith, not of their works. You've done it all for them. Would you do that? And in Philippians 2 language, listen to this word from Paul. He says, and Jesus, who did not think equality with God was something to be grasped. He didn't think power was something to be grasped. All of us grasp for power. He didn't think equality with God was something to be grasped, but humbled himself in obedience to God, putting on human flesh, taking on the role of a servant, and dying in our place. So that if we now receive Jesus, our sins are forgiven, and we're born again, the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts, and we're reconnected to the Father, folks. We're reconnected to his love, and we're to live in perfect love. All of your depression, all of your marriage problems, all of your discouragements are rooted somehow in the fact you don't believe in the perfect love of God who lives in your hearts. And I believe every single problem in your life could be solved if you would begin to believe the Father loves you powerfully and significantly. The proof is the cradle and the cross. It is. You can give God the glory for that. That is so true. That is the heart of the gospel. A young woman went to a pastor I know and said to him, you know, I've come to receive Jesus, but I still feel so much depression. And he went through the whole thing. Don't you understand? You're now a child of God. You're adopted into the Father's family. You're deeply loved by him. You're an heir of everything he owns. And she listened to all of those facts that the Bible teaches when you're born again and what you receive in Jesus. But she looked at him and said, you know what? But that doesn't make any difference if guys don't think I'm attractive. She didn't get it. If you know how much God loves you, the things of this earth grow strangely dim. The Father's love. John 17, verses 24 through 26. Let me read these words to you. Father, Jesus' words right before he went to the cross. I desire that they, who's the they there? It's the, the disciples, but who else is it? Who else is it? It's us. It's us. This word's for us. I desire that they whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before. When, guys? Before the world was ever created, the Father and the Son perfectly loved each other. Oh, righteous, what? Father, Daddy, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the what? The love with which you have loved me may be what? In them. And I in them. That I came to put your love, Father, back in their hearts. That means you can now love your spouse who's just absolutely driven you crazy. Because that's the way Jesus has loved you, because you drove Jesus crazy. Now you can love your boss, that irascible boss who drives you crazy. Why? Because God has loved you, and you drove God crazy, and yet he still loves you. You can now love your enemies, Jesus said. And you can forgive them. Why? Because you were once an enemy of the Father. You were a rebel and a traitor against the Father, and yet he still came. The proof of his love is the cradle. He came. Then look at Romans 5, 5 with me. 
Paul writes this, and hope does not put us to shame because God's what? Love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, the Father's love through the Son forgives us of our sins, and now the very presence of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, indwells us. The perfect love of the Father indwells us. And now we become love machines. And we don't work for nobody but God, (laughs) the Father in heaven. Now, Christmas began in the Father's heart of love. Let me read to you Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 19 that I referred to earlier. And look at the Trinity here. For this reason, Paul said, I bow my knees before the Father. There it is, the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit, so you have Father's spirit in your inner being, in your heart, so that who? Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You, you receive Christ through faith. So you have the Father, the Spirit, and Christ, one God, three persons here, no mention of the Trinity, but one God, three persons, clearly outlined here, but so that... Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, now read this with me, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the uh, saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. Read it with me. And to know the love of the fullness of God. The love of the fullness of God. I pray that love will be yours today. The selfless love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It all begins by understanding that the Father's love. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio with thoughts on today's Moment of Hope. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and with me today is Bart Noonan with West Boulevard Ministry. Bart, tell us about West Boulevard Ministry. Uh, Thank you, Bart, for this opportunity to speak about West Boulevard Ministry, and and more importantly, about Jesus Christ. West Boulevard Ministry serves the spiritual and physical needs of the families and the communities within the West Boulevard quarter to the glory of Jesus Christ. Whether we're doing neighborhood outreach cookouts, gatherings where we're bringing people outside of their apartments, their homes, into fellowship with one another, or we're doing Bible study bingo the first Wednesday of every month at Little Rock Apartments. And uh, we gather anywhere from 50 to 70 children that we share the gospel with and play bingo after our Bible study portion of the night. And a couple weeks ago, there's a young man who we've been walking with now close to three years who came in, he he forgot something, like a lot of young young kids do, he forgot something in the um, space, and he came back in and he ended up praying out myself and all the other volunteers for the West Boulevard ministry team that were gathered there for that night and led us all in prayer and closed it out. And this young man, we've been taking to church every every Sunday for about the past year and a half. And, and that's what it's all about. It's about providing an opportunity for Jesus Christ to work inside someone's heart and, and then encourage them along the way. That sounds great. Now, Bart, if any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? 
The best way to do is uh, either email myself at bart at westboulevardministry.org or they can call me straight up in my cell phone and I always answer. I'm sort of like a doctor. The phone's always on and that's 980-298-9027. I would encourage folks too to also go to our website, which is westboulevardministry.org and there you can see some of our photo galleries. You can see some of the blogs and a lot of things we do throughout the West Boulevard Corridor to the glory of Jesus Christ. It is great having you with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for being with us today. Hi, Jen. Great to be with you as well. Well, in this morning's Moment of Hope, you wrote about the value of humility. Yeah, humility. Wow, we don't think much about that word in relationship to Christmas, but it should be. Mm. It's a very important word to think about as we think about Christmas as well. You know, Jen, if I had been in charge, I would have had Jesus born in Rome in the emperor's palace with all the great people of that world around him, worshiping him, lifting him up. But God chose to birth his son, God in human flesh, in a smelly, manure-filled, straw-driven stable. Hmm. It it could not have been a more humble surrounding. Now, why? Because I think God was trying to make very clear that in the trappings of this world that we quest after, we don't really find true life. Hmm. We find true life in humbling ourselves before other people. There is an interesting verse in the Bible that says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Hmm. Notice that's a choice. And I think if we don't humble ourselves, the Lord will humble us in that process. And I'd much rather humble myself than have the Lord Mm -hmm. humble me. And I just think God wanted to say in the whole Christmas narrative that how he does things is not how we do things. You know, the first will be last and the last will be first. One of Jesus' teachings, you know, that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords would be born in a smelly stable. I think God's making a statement from the very beginning. It is the meek who inherit the earth. It is the humble who are lifted up. And I think God wanted us to realize that from day one in the Christmas narrative. I really haven't thought about this before, but since you paint such a clear picture of how he came, I'm also thinking about how he left, and one of his very last acts was an act of humility and washing the disciples' feet. So you've got these bookend markers in Jesus's life of humility. Yeah, you think about the book of Job, where Job says, we come into this world naked, we leave this world naked. Jesus came wrapped in swaddling clothes, and basically those are strips of cloths that basically were put around Jesus to keep him warm. Now think about this. When he was buried, there were strips of cloth that were wrapped around him in his burial mode that the women came and did so with spices in between each cloth to make sure that he didn't rot too soon. What's so interesting is the term that's used there for those cloths in his gravestone are swaddling clothes. Wow. As a baby, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. As a dead person off the cross, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. He came into this world with nothing. He left this world with nothing. And yet, through his humility on the cross, he is lifted up. And one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord, but it's so interesting that it started out in the greatest of humble settings, a stable filled with manure, with cattle and goats and other kinds of animals surrounding him, 
the King of Kings and Lord of Lords born in a stable. Mm. Wow. Wow. I don't even know what else to say, but wow. (laughs) Well, folks, I can say this to you. Remain humble. Uh, You're not as great as you think you are. Uh, The more you give honor and glory to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you are recognizing your own humility, that he created you. He is great. You're not. And worship should be that which fills your heart during this Christmas season and beyond. That's so good. Thank you so much, David. And everyone, if you'd like to receive these daily written Moments of Hope from me, especially during this Christmas time period, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there free of charge every morning in your inbox at 7 a.m. From my heart to yours, a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for a spirit of unity this Christmas season.